Um, who do you think said this? I say the Lord's Prayer every day. I try to connect to what those words mean. I connect to what the Father means. I try to connect what it means to be whole. I think about the relationship between forgiving and being forgiven and the impossibility of redemption until you are willing to forgive and let go. Who do you think that was? It's a slightly trick kind of thing, really. Sorry. No, it was Russell Brand. It was Russell Brand said that, if you don't, do you know Russell Brand? He's more famously known, I guess, for his slightly raunchy style of shock comedy and all his struggles in addictions and things like that. He has recently said that in an article I read, maybe God is doing something also in his life. Um, I say the Lord's Prayer every day. I try to connect with what those words mean. I connect with what the Father means. I connect with what wholeness means. I think about the relationship between forgiving, being forgiven. The impossibility of redemption until you are willing to forgive and let go. Something's going on there. Praise God. Amen. Um, The notes should have gone round to you, so we'll get work through that. Um, Our church vision statement is this. Uh, We launched it a couple of years ago. It is that we'll be 200 by 2020 through a strong and growing culture of discipleship, community, mission, and... Prayer, you've got it. Okay, so the first bit, 200 by 2020, is, is God, really. We're reliant on him for that. But the things we can play a part in, particularly, are, the, are growing in discipleship, community, mission, and prayer. And I'm going to kick off today a mini-series under the title, Culture of Prayer. What does that mean? How can we grow in this area of prayer? And I feel already I'm going with the grain of what God's doing this morning. We've heard a bit about prayer. We've prayed together God has welcomed us into his presence. He's beckoned us prophetically right at the beginning of our worship. I don't think that's just in relation to our sung worship. He's saying, come on, come in. Come in to the throne room of God. Commune with me. Pray for things as well as worship. And you'll see result. You'll see my kingdom come. So what can we do? Well, my conviction, I'll just give you the headline right up front, is this. That the best thing that we can do to develop our prayer life so that it is strong and growing, is to learn to use the Lord's Prayer. Is to learn to use the Lord's Prayer when we pray. That's my conviction, that's what I'm believing for, and that's what I want us to focus on during this little mini-series. And we're going to interleave it with Dale's series on Genesis. You'll get a bit of that, you'll get a bit of this, and together it will come to something, I'm sure. You know, there's so many great prayers and great prayers in the Bible. We could look at many of them and learn many amazing things. I've recently came across again Abraham's kind of prayer negotiation, whatever it was, with, with the vision of God he had over the destruction of Sodom. Fascinating uh, kind of prayer encounter. I know the young people have looked at Jabez's prayer, short but packed full of, of instruction about how to pray for oneself. Uh, when we were looking through at the Christmas stuff, you know, I was looking over again the nativity account and struck again by Mary's prayer, just so full of faith and praise, so sure she was, even at a young tender age with something potentially quite daunting that was facing her. Yeah, her prayer life, wow. We can learn from all these people, but I do feel there's more for us to learn from the model that Jesus taught us. And we get it 
um, in Matthew chapter 6. So if you've got a Bible, then I'll encourage you to look it up. It just helps to see it there. You find the place to picture where it is, how many, how many inches in. So Matthew 6, it will come up behind me as well. And we'll just look at uh, the occasion when Jesus first uh, presented it. He was um, on the mountainside. It was early on in his uh, public ministry. And he gave a lot of teaching to a whole host of people who had gathered to him. And uh, we pick up the prayer section in chapter 6, verse 5. It says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. It goes on, it gives a little bit more encouragement on the theme of forgiveness. Uh, so we're going to look at this over six sessions, really, yes. But for today, rather than getting into the detail, I've got some reasons for you, some rationale, why I believe that using the Lord's Prayer when we pray is not only a good idea, but is God's idea and will help us as we grow in prayer. I want to persuade you, I want to convince you that this prayer model that Jesus gave is vital for our discipleship and for God's kingdom coming. Number one, it's central. The Lord's Prayer is important because it's central to Jesus' teaching. And it's central to Jesus' teaching on prayer. It's central to Jesus' teaching, and it's central to his teaching on prayer. Quite literally, if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, as it has become to be known by now, Matthew 5-7, to it's right in the middle, right there at the heart of all the teaching he gave. But I, even more than that, uh, the themes that he covers across those three chapters all pretty much are represented in the prayer that he gave. On, in the Bible, not this one, my nice clean one, but in, in the, the Bible I scribble in, I have one of those, I can just, you know, be let loose, get my pencil out. Uh, I've got all sorts of arrows radiating out of the Lord's Prayer to the surrounding passages. It's, it's phenomenal how the prayer encapsulates some of the themes that Jesus has been teaching about, just to kind of convince you a little bit of that. The, the concept of praying to God as Father, Abba, Papa, Dad, was, was radical. Uh, it wasn't brand new, but really Jesus brought it to life. 
when he exhorted us to love our enemies in the early part of his teaching here on the mountainside. Love them and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. In fact, I've counted 17 times across those three chapters that Jesus talks to God as Father. He's presenting him as that so that we can understand how to relate to him. Similarly, the kingdom of heaven, it's right there in the center of our prayer. Pray your kingdom come. Eight times across those three chapters, Jesus is talking about the kingdom. Right at the beginning when he's talking through the Beatitudes, the first and the last one, say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the persecuted, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's all there. When Jesus commanded us in the sermon not to worry, don't worry about anything, don't be anxious, he goes on to tell us to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all the things you might worry about, the food, the clothing, the daily bread, if you like, will be added to you. They will come as you seek my kingdom. There it is, the daily bread in another form of words. When he says to us near the end, chapter 7, do not judge or you too will be judged. And then there's a parable about a plank of wood in somebody's eye and a speck of sawdust in somebody else's eye and, you know, how to deal with it. Well, it's, it's speaking right into the challenge of forgiving one another. Forgive us our debts and our sins as we forgive others. Don't judge them. Forgive them. And it goes on. You could go on, have a, have a play with it, have an explore yourself. It's central. Second, it's repeated. When something's in the Bible, we should take note. When something's in the Bible twice, maybe we should take particular notes. I don't know. Maybe. It's in there, again, maybe for a reason. And we find that in Luke chapter 11, Jesus teaches the same thing about prayer on another occasion. It's a different occasion. Sometimes you get in the Gospels the same occasion described from different perspectives. On other occasions, it looks similar, but it's different. It was a different time. Jesus did it again uh, in a different context amongst different people, perhaps. And we've got one of those occasions when it comes to the Lord's Prayer. Previously, it was Jesus with the mass on the mountainside, this disparate group. Uh, and he would just put it in there, in amongst everything else. He proclaimed it, but now... His disciples have learned a bit more. They've had a go. They've been sent out in pairs. They've healed some sick as they've prayed for them. They've preached the kingdom of God is coming. Jesus wasn't with them. And they came back. They reported their success. And then they saw him in the, over there praying again. And they waited until he'd finished. And they came up to him afterward and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Like John taught his disciples. What they're going to get? They've had, arguably, already his monologue on the mountain. What are they going to get now in this advanced training seminar? Well, guess what? Exactly the same thing. Slightly shorter, slightly simpler, just to make sure they got it. Luke 11 verse 2 says this, when you pray, Jesus said to them, you say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. I really believe at this moment the disciples came to a place of, of some humility. And they said, Lord, we've done some stuff. We've been with you. We've seen some measure of fruit, but we've seen 
we know you pray. We know you pray. We know you withdraw and you seek your God. Teach us to pray. They knew there was so much more to get, and that's what he gave them. There's more from the Lord's Prayer for us. I don't think we should ever graduate from the Lord's Prayer. To quote a guy called Mike Breen, the model for prayer taught to us by Jesus is shallow enough for a baby to bathe in, and it's deep enough for elephants to swim through. So whether you think you're a baby in the faith or an elephant in the faith, the Lord's Prayer is for you. Thirdly, it's memorable. You know, if you ask me, Tim, how would you encourage me to pray? I'd say, you know what? Take your Bible with you. Pray when you've got your Bible on you. And when you want to pray, make sure it's there. But Jesus didn't do that, interestingly. His technique works even if you can't read or don't have a Bible. In fact, that has been the case for many people throughout the ages since. I learned, if you like, the Lord's Prayer probably by reciting it in school. Do they recite it in school anymore? It still goes on a little bit. Yeah, good. And I learned it reciting it on Sunday in the church context I was in. We said it pretty much every week. That was my background. It may not have been yours. So your homework, number one, for this week is to learn it, to learn the Lord's Prayer. Give it a go. Get it in your system. Get it into your mind. Get it into your heart. Go over it again and again. Find some way of connecting with it. It's only 57 words long. It's only 30 seconds worth that you have to remember. And then, it won't matter where you are. You could be in bed, unable to sleep. Like I was a few times this week, unfortunately. You, uh, you could be at your desk, stressing about work and what you're being asked to do and the deadlines for it. You could be in the car on a long, long, boring journey. You could be in prison for your faith, and you will be equipped to pray. Even if they confiscate your Bible, you will be equipped to pray well and effectively. So find ways. For me, again, on, in the Bible I scribble in, I ended up putting some words next to each line of the Lord's Prayer. And lo and behold, they all began with P, because, you know, alliteration and preachers, they kind of go together, really. So for me, this, this, this kind of helped me interact with it. So the person, our Father in heaven, it reminds me I'm praying to someone, actually. There's someone here. There's someone I'm communicating and relating to. The purpose, kingdom come, it reminds me of the big picture. The Bible gives us the big picture. We're to pray the big picture stuff of God, uh, his purpose. The plan, if you like, the detail of how that's played out in day-to-day life and decisions, the, the will of God to be done on earth as in heaven. The provision of God, it reminds me, I can pray for the things, the stuff, the needs that I have, we have, the world has. Pardon which is forgiveness when you put it into the thesaurus. Desperately now looking for a word to begin with P to keep it going. And uh, pardon, to to ask for forgiveness, to give uh, forgiveness to others in prayer. Protection from temptation and from the evil one and ending in praise. Some of the manuscripts do end with, uh, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so over five Sundays, we're going to break it down a little bit like that. I'm going to use the titles actually on the far right, if you've got the little matrix in your notes there uh, and behind me, the Father's character, the Father's kingdom, the Father's provision, the Father's forgiveness, the Father's protection. We're going to look at it under that heading. I like those headings. You don't have to be bored with my kind of alliteration on the letter P uh, of doing that. But also it reminds us, this is the Father's prayer, actually, as much as it is the Lord's prayer. We, we start the prayer with Father 
we end the prayer with Father, and the middle of the prayer is Father. It's all about the Father and praying to him for his things. Number four, I feel this prayer, this Lord's Prayer, needs a bit of redeeming, even amongst Christians like us. Uh, for me personally, I've had to battle to get to use the Lord's Prayer. I've had to, it wasn't instinctive for me. It wasn't where I went naturally. I've had to, as I've grown up in the Lord, come back to it and, and begin to see it again for what it is. Because I guess for me, it got lumped together with other stuff, helpfully or unhelpfully. So as I said, in school environments, we would sing hymns. Well, I don't know, do you used to sing hymns in school, in school assemblies? But to be honest, they were a bit childish, understandably. And when you grow up, you don't sing those kind of hymns anymore. They're a little bit lacking in content, perhaps, for someone who's growing up now in God. I don't know if you remember any of them. We plough the seed and scatter. Another one. We plough the seed and scatter the good seed of the land. There you go. You might, might do a comeback, Jim. You rock, rock, Jim. And what about this one? Morning has broken like the first morning. Blackbirds have spoken. Yeah, okay. So it got lumped together with all that, which is okay. But in my head, it kind of was a bit vacuous, really. And uh, uh, I had to learn, no, no, there's something, no, no, the Lord's Prayer. It's Jesus wrote that one. Uh, Cat Stevens wrote the other one. <laughs> a bit different. <laughs> Let's go with this. Uh, maybe you can grow out of the other. Uh, you know, a bit of repetition is helpful. And so at school, in churches, it's helpful because it gets us thinking of it. It gets us in our memory. But you know what? It's not very good for scripting a dialogue and a relationship with God. It's not very good at that, is it? Repetition doesn't help us personally get in with God and connect with him. Jesus warns us that babbling like pagans isn't real prayer. It's the opposite of real prayer. And we can perhaps babble like pagans with mindless repetition. I'm not really thinking about this. It's just words that are coming out. But we can also, I guess, babble like pagans with Unfocused waffle, which may be the, the mind danger nowadays in prayer, is unfocused waffle. Really? Uh, let's, let's just kind of get it, rein that in a little bit, mate. Um, and Jesus gives us the antidote to all of that, and it's the Lord's Prayer. So we're to use it as a structure. Each line, each heading is a springboard into which we plunge into the presence of God in through prayer. It's a springboard. Uh, fifthly, I'll suggest to you that this prayer works. If you ask one another, and maybe you could do that, uh, how, how would you teach me to pray? You'd get a whole host of answers. Well, for me, what I'd probably do is I'd probably tell, uh, I don't know, um, um, I'll tell you a bit about, about my prayer life. I'll tell you maybe when I pray, how long I pray for, what time I set my alarm for. I'll tell you whether I open my eyes or close my eyes. I might tell you whether I sit down, stand up, walk around. And you might go, okay, you might write a few notes. <laughs> but you might not really get much from that. Um, the other thing I might do, if you asked me how to pray, is I might stumble through a, 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 a theology. Okay, this is how prayer works. Uh, this, is, this is the nuts and bolts of it. This is what's going on, if you like. And uh, that may have some merit, but you also well, might not be encouraged into prayer very much. Jesus did neither of those things, thankfully. He didn't tell us, uh, you know, well, you see me withdraw a little bit. Let me tell you the full story. How often I withdraw. Let me tell you how long I withdraw for. Let me tell you this and that about it. He doesn't do that. We know he did. We get glimpses, but we don't know much about his prayer life other than what he told us here. 
Neither did he give us the theology. He didn't tell us how prayer works. Let me start here. Lesson one, he got his flip chart out. Lesson one, how prayer works. Five points, here we are. He didn't do that. He said, this is how you should pray. He told us how to pray. This is the pattern for you to follow. And the more I've grasped that, the more I've seen his answer to the disciples' question was, is so releasing. So releasing. So full of grace. So gracious. Thank you, Jesus, for this model, this pattern I can follow. You know, habits are helpful, aren't they, in our discipleship. But, you know, God's disciplines are different from our types of disciplines, which often become legalism, which is the opposite of what Jesus had in mind. Jesus is saying, you know, when you pray, yeah, you know those moments? When you pray, when you pray, discipline yourself like this. Pray through these headings and in this order. That's what he's telling us. He does say as well, okay, yeah, also discipline yourself. When you pray, discipline yourself. Withdraw. Go somewhere private. It's not a show. You're not looking for attention. You're not trying to get credit from other people. No, take yourself off. Find a little place. I think, oh, that's so hard, Lord. Even that is so hard. Lord, life is so full. Busy with people everywhere. There's things looking at me from every direction. There's crowds. How do we do that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> if there's any, any help, I think it was possibly harder for Jesus. The houses were smaller with fewer rooms, I imagine. The families were larger. They had more children than maybe today on average in our context. Not only that, he was now relying on other people's hospitality. He was going around, going around the country for three years, relying on other people, staying in other people's places, having to kind of just be sensitive to what they're expecting, yeah. And lo and behold, he had 12 people with him, always wanting more, keep pressing in, trying to kind of get in on him all the time. And not only that, crowds gathered everywhere he turned up, every town. He didn't come unannounced, yet they gathered to him. I think he found it a little bit harder to find that space, but he did it, so... Take that as encouragement. But he said this, when you pray, use this structure, use this framework. You know it works on any day and in any situation. You know it works when you can't think what to pray. Is that you? <laughs> this prayer model works when you don't feel like praying. This prayer works when you're overwhelmed by a situation and you don't know where to start or how to even see clearly in it. This prayer works when you've got one thing. There's one thing on your mind. You, you've got to pray for this now. Uh, but it's a big one. It's, it's a hard one. And it's, it works then as well. It works when you're in a crisis. This prayer works when the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. As Jesus said to his disciples who struggled to pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane, it could have worked for them there, I wonder. It works when it's just another day. It's another normal day. It's another Monday. <laughs> How many Mondays have we had? How many normal Mondays have we had? It works in those days as well. You know, this prayer works whether you've got five minutes or you've got 50 minutes. It does. Break it down into the five, for example, like I have. You could break it down into six, seven, or eight. It doesn't really matter, really. But that's, that's a minute each on each theme for five minutes. Whoa, that'll go, like, so quick. But even 50 minutes, break it down, 10-minute chunks. All of a sudden, 50 minutes of prayer is achievable. 
Only a 50 minutes of prayer, not me, I'm not a 50 minute prayer man. No, 50 minutes becomes achievable. In fact, I, I, would, have to, I would suggest to you, actually allocate yourself 10 minutes if you've got 50 minutes, because lo and behold, you believe it or not, you will run out of time. <laughs> and you won't quite get to the forgiveness bit and the protection bit, which are vital. Jesus wants us to include it every time. So don't run out of time. Schedule yourself a little bit just to keep it going. Get through what he's got here for you. Five minutes suddenly becomes meaningful. Oh, I've only got five minutes. Yeah, but pray this. Pray through this. Pray through this lens, and it will be a meaningful, effective time. Sixthly, it's simple. You know, it's easy to be intimidated by one another, by others, by the length, the eloquence, the uh, mannerisms of people's prayer lives. Uh, But Jesus isn't impressed by any of that. We get that impression very clearly here. And I guess the danger of a preaching series on prayer is, lo and behold, we make it sound a little bit too complicated, more complicated than in fact it really is. Prayer is simple. Jesus wants you to find your prayer voice, your personal relationship voice with God. He wants you to enter into that. That dialogue that only you and he can have. And it's adopting his model rather than mimicking other people's style that will get you there. Don't mimic others' style. Mimic or adopt rather this model. Use the simple framework and abandon all the other so-called formulas. Use his simple framework. See, prayer is like coming to the Father. Well, it is. It's coming to the Father, the holy, heavenly Father. Uh, But it's coming to a loving parent. Prayer is coming to a loving parent. It's open, it's honest, it's short, and it's straightforward. It's asking, and it's trusting. That's how it should be. But seventhly, this prayer, I would suggest to you, is genius, I mean, it would be, wouldn't it? Jesus came up with it. He is the son of God after all. It really is deep enough for elephants to swim through. It is genius. And for me, I've had to come to terms with that. I've had to kind of realize that because it starts with me thinking it's childish and empty and shallow and just to kind of get you started. But no, 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 it's absolutely genius. It's genius in its breadth. Paul encouraged us after the, uh, the bit about the um, armor of God referenced a bit earlier. He said, pray all kinds of prayers. Oh, right, great. Okay, all kinds of prayers. It can be a bit bamboozling, can't it? Where do we start? All kinds of prayers. I tell you, if you use this framework, you will pray all kinds of prayers. The kind of things you never thought you would pray into, you would be praying as the Holy Spirit guides you in it. Now, if any of us were to come up with our own framework, our own structure, our own how-to on prayer... I don't reckon many of us would put in there, forgive, forgive others. Every time you pray, forgive others. I don't, think we'd, I don't think I would have put it in there. But he did it. We love, we know, don't we, as a church, the freedom that that brings as we do that. We find we're let off the hook, not, as, not other people. We know it. We've, we've, many of us benefited from freedom in Christ. If you haven't, I encourage you to do so. Uh, benefited from the Sozo prayer appointments. If you haven't had one, I encourage you to have one. Find out more, ask me. Um, But you know what? Jesus built in some of the key tools that are used in those ministry times right here in the Lord's Prayer every day for forgiving others and confessing our sins. But here, um, see, Jesus was interested in our well-being. He was interested in our spiritual well-being and, and breaking free of spiritual oppression. He was interested in us um, uh, cutting ourselves off from, from the power of temptation. 
Not, he didn't, didn't prepare us to say, when, you, when you're faced with temptation, pray like this. No, he said, every day, when you pray, pray about, about resistance to temptation. It's praying in advance, not in the moment. That's such wisdom. It's genius, I suggest, as well, in the order that Jesus tells us to go through this prayer. Absolutely genius. Um, just to give you a few examples, uh, Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates, God's gates, with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Great bit of advice. Thank you for the psalmist for that. It's helpful. We do that a little bit together when we're worshipping corporately. But you know what? The work, it works in the same way in prayer. And the, the model prayer, starting with the Father's character, it gets us there into the presence of God with thanksgiving and with praise. Another Psalm 42 says, My soul is downcast within me. It says that a lot in that psalm. If you're feeling a bit downcast, go to Psalm 42. There's a bit of the antidote here, right here. Therefore, I will remember you. The Lord's Prayer helps us right there. If we're downcast, this is where to go. The Lord's Prayer, the Father, His character, His holiness. We remember you. We're not remembering the situation. We're not remembering us. We're not remembering our feelings first. We're remembering you. That's where we go when we're downcast. Seek first the kingdom of God, we've already said, and all these things will be added to you. We do that in the Lord's Prayer. We seek God's kingdom. How first? By praying for God's kingdom to come. And then we get to pray and give us, Lord, our daily bread. And suddenly, we've changed how we pray for our daily bread. Because the kingdom is in us. There's new faith that provision will come. Sometimes we start praying out of conviction for sin. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. And it's a good place to be. But we end prayer times like that, sometimes still wallowing in our self-pity. We've done the prayer thing, we thought. We've confessed, we thought. But we're still in self-pity. We're still under condemnation. How does that happen? Why does that happen, Lord? How can you help us not go there? We know that's not kind of right, really. Well, go to the Lord's Prayer. Use the Lord's Prayer. It starts with the relationship, the secure relationship. Father to son, father to daughter. We're his child. Nothing can take that away. When we're praying for God's kingdom, his big purposes and the plans and how it's worked out and his will, and then we're praying for our provision, and then we can pray. Lord, I've sinned. and know his forgiveness coming quickly to us, restoring us and setting us up. It's absolute genius. Prayer can be like a shopping list at times. Kind of, oh, Lord, I know. There's, but there's a lot of things going on down here, Lord, to be honest. You know, there's this and that and the other. I've got, and you know, I know you want us to pray about them. Uh, but it just feel a little bit like a shopping list. How do, we, what, what, how do we use the Lord's Prayer? Character, kingdom. That will sharpen us when we get to give us. That will sharpen us. That will realign us to God's will. And lastly, another reason why I'd suggest to you using the Lord's Prayer when you pray is it's Trinitarian. Hey, up. He says that at 12 o'clock. Come on. Um, it's engaging the mystery and the glory of the three-in-one God. I've put out some vision booklets dotted around, not on every chair. If you haven't got one, if you haven't, uh, can't find it, take it away. But in there, under the heading, uh, how should we pray, the first thing it says is we pray to the Father through the Son and in the Spirit. And it's important to understand the kind of Trinitarian concept of prayer because we're like little Christs. We're in Christ through our faith in him. 
And we're becoming like Christ. Jesus came. Yes, he came to take away the sin of the world, but he came to model, to show us the way. We're to be like him. So taking his perspective in it all and modeling what he does is helpful, including also in prayer. Don't get me wrong, I sometimes pray, dear Jesus. I often pray in the mornings, first thing is, good morning, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. I pray to the Holy Spirit, fill me, help me, equip me for the day. Give me all that I need. Help me understand your word. Guide me in the right path. But, you know, overall, we're to model Jesus and his approach. He came to his Father. You might say to me, well, where's the Holy Spirit in the Lord's Prayer? Well, I'd say to you, everywhere. Romans 8 is really helpful. It gives us a chapter dense with living in the spirit, but it also picks out how to live our prayer life in the spirit. It's by the spirit that we cry, Abba, Father, Dad, Papa, Pops, Daddy. It's it's by the spirit. We we can't even start the Lord's Prayer without the Holy Spirit because he testifies in our spirit that we are his sons, we are his daughters, we're his children. It's irreversible. The Spirit helps us, it tells us in Romans 8, in our weakness. What's our weakness? We don't know what we ought to pray. But the Spirit intercedes for us. He searches our hearts. He knows the minds of the Spirit. The Spirit intercedes for God's people. The more Spirit-filled we are, the more dynamic our use of the Lord's Prayer will become. You see, the Lord's Prayer is not a script, but it is a spirit-inspired structure for spontaneous, spirit-led prayers for a sustainable, spirit-filled prayer life. How do you want to get to the end of your life knowing, looking back, saying, you know what, I prayed, and I'm still praying right at the last hour. Well, it's through this. It's through this model of prayer uh, with the Spirit's help all the way. Terry Virgo said this, without fervor, form becomes formality. Without form, fervor becomes fever. And in relation to prayer, I think that's talking about the Lord's Prayer as our form and the Holy Spirit as our fervor. The two together are dynamite. This is not about getting our our language technically correct every time we pray. (laughs) Let's just not worry too much about that. But it is about experiencing the fullness of God as we pray. So let me just end up then, and then we'll go on to one more thing before we um, have refreshments together. It's worth noting the disciples did go on and have incredible prayer lives after this. Uh, Jesus died, we know, and he raised again, and he went to heaven, and they carried on his mission. But their prayer lives were outstanding and phenomenal and earth-changing. They prayed in the sick were healed. They prayed and the dead were raised. They prayed and handkerchiefs had miraculous powers. They prayed and prisoners escaped from prison. They prayed and rooms shook. They prayed and people came to salvation in faith in Christ. They prayed and people were baptized in the Spirit. They prayed and churches were planted and the gospel went to the ends of the earth. And I think part of it all goes back to the fact that they said to Jesus one day, Lord, teach us to pray. And they listened to Jesus' answer, and they took it seriously. So I do believe that the one thing that will have the biggest impact on your personal prayer life, on the prayer culture of this church, will be as we learn to use the Lord's Prayer. If you like, it's the scaffolding that we use to pray. So give it a go this week. Why not? Uh, Break it down into four, five, six sections. 
use the matrix I've put on the, on the takeaway there, and have a go. Just in your prayer time, pray through each section. Divide up what time you've got and focus on what the Holy Spirit highlights to you as you open that heading. Or, and, uh, if you have something as a burden, then use the skeleton of the Lord's Prayer as a way of praying through that particular topic. All right? Good. Thank you.